Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Giles Aniam and Chris Howard of Gunnerstown. Now, gents, I was going to ask you how the week's been, but I get the sense that that could be quite a dangerous question. Cowards. <laughs> Is that me, my no, colleagues? No, nobody within this studio. It's cowards that are in East Midlands yesterday at lunchtime. There was a collective of about 20 of them. What colour were they wearing? They were wearing red and white. <gasps> Utter cowards. I have literally printed off a list of descriptive words to describe them. Poltroon, craven, recreate, dastardly. Cure, Wayface, Faint Heart, Lily Livered. Are these all last panic- used pre-1815? Panicmongers, Scaramooch. I like that one. one. Yeah, me too. Wimp Sissies, Chicken Hearted, Shirkers, Deserters and Milksops. Mm. That is the performance from yesterday, from the performance against Wolves and the performance against Crystal Palace the week before. Nine goals in three games. Thoroughly unacceptable. Giles, have you got any archaic terms to add to that list? <laughs> no, I think Chris has pretty much covered it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just what's really, um, what's really, what's really um, uh, confusing and disappointing, really, is the fact that he's, Emery doesn't seem to have a clue anymore. He's comp- I mean, he's, you know, against Wolves, uh, no, against uh, uh, Palace. I think, yeah, I think he, I think he had his eye on Wolves. I said that in the last program. I, I think he had his eye on Wolves. He shouldn't have had his eye on Wolves. He should have play, played a stronger team at home against Palace. I know that um, Xhaka or uh, Torreira were just coming back. Well, I would have played him at home in that home game, secure that three points because going to Wolves and going to Leicester, we knew it was going to be difficult. You know, at Wolves got completely. I mean, he dominated the first twenty minutes, twenty-eight minutes, and then we got completely dominated as soon as we get a punch on the nose that's it we cower we fall apart and again uh, 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 Leicester on Sunday I know Michael Oliver didn't help the situation but once again we can't we fall apart you, you think that the 1-0 the, the that we scraped at Watford they were playing with 10 men they would feel aggrieved that they didn't get any points from that they this Arsenal team is what's the complete opposite of mental strength it's almost farcical that Arsene Wenger at some stage has said yeah this Arsenal team this is a team with mental strength I don't know if he said it last season because this is the same similar team to last season but this is a collective of psychologically scarred damage and brittle footballers that quite frankly I'm at the stage where I would happily see all of them binned off that's that's probably a bit harsh there's a vast bulk of them that I'd be quite happy to say Away you go. Let's just let's just chuck a grenade in there and let's just start again. Because quite frankly, some that performance yesterday was a disgrace. The second goal was an utter disgrace. Yeah. Like I I played centre half. I don't think I've ever had a goalkeeper kick the ball from a dead ball situation, and I've just watched it fly over my head, bounce two times like for a, a centre forward to get to. <laughs> and that's and that's amateur. That's like uni football we're talking about professional footballers on hundreds of thousands of pounds a week who cannot even defend simple balls over the top and that's two in the space of a week Mustafi did it and then it was Socrates and uh, and Koscielny and quite frankly all three of them let's just get rid 
Okay, so you've you've assessed two separate <laughs> points there. One is the psychological one, that you're saying they're cowards, they're mentally weak, there is a lack of ability to handle Giles, as you put it, that first punch on the nose. One sight of blood and suddenly we're not having it. The other is more technical. It's basic. It's not being able to defend. Which is more significant? I think it's a, it's a hazardous chemical of all three. You've got the, the lack of... Um, well. Nobody knows what his tactics are. I don't think the players understand what he's trying to impre- implement. Uh, the second thing is there's a mental weakness across the team. It's a disease. It's, it's set in. It's like a plague. And thirdly, just basic elementary footballing errors. These are individual mistakes we're seeing week upon week upon week upon week. So you can't even blame Emery for the, for the elementary mistakes that each individual is making. But, but equally... If you get one bad individual mistake, you look at that as a fan and you go, well, that's really unlucky. That happens. Mm. But at the point where we are seeing every centre-half in the squad do this, at the point where it's a weekly occurrence, is there not a case for... I'm not saying it is Emery's fault, but is there not a case for looking at potential factors? Because actually well, it shouldn't be this consistent. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's the combination of three hazardous chemicals all combining to to come up with this this really... This, you know, this, 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 this distorted outcome. I mean, it's, it's, it's. I, I look at the players and I think to myself, there must be something, there must be a, sh- a disconnect or some sort of short circuit in your brain for you to allow someone like Koscielny, his experience, allowing that ball to float over his head. I mean, he, he just. I mean, we talk about. I said, to, I said yesterday, we talk about Mustafi. We, everyone jumps down Mustafi's throat. I've done it. Jumps down Mustafi's throat as soon as he makes a, a, a bad, a, a wrong decision. Someone of Koscielny's standing, he's been our best defender, I would say, through the course of the season when he's been available. But for someone of Koscielny's standing to do something like that shows me that, you know, um, there's, you know, there's a lot, there's, there's, there's something deep-seated. Well, I think there's, for me, there's two things. There, there, there are two different Arsenal teams. There's the Arsenal team at the Emirates and there's the Arsenal team at the away, away from home, which says to me there's a massive psychological issue within the club because you can't have the same players on the same sized football pitch playing in the same shirts against the same opposition performing so differently. That's a psychological issue from my perspective. But from a technical perspective, again, I agree with you. You've got a player like with Koscielny's experience. If, if there's a ball that's in play and you've got a great ball, and Madison plays a ball into the channels, and Jamie Vardy, who's obviously got a beat of beating of pace for, for, for Koscielny, gets in behind him, and he beats him for pace and scores, you're going to say, well, Koscielny's been played, he's been overplayed, he's knackered, his, his legs don't work anyway, fine. You know, we don't like it, but we can see why it's happened. From a dead ball situation, I keep coming back to that second goal, he's got time to position himself. Even when the ball's struck, right, that's coming towards me, so you take a few steps back, or you take a few steps forward to aggressively attack the ball. We did nothing. And and not just him, uh, Sogladis as well, well, did nothing between them. Total lack of leadership, and I hate to be part of the you know, passion brigade and, oh, we've got to show passion, no leaders. I hear that from people who don't watch very much football and just winds me up. But actually, it does feel like it. There's an element of that as well. There are, There's no leadership in, in the team. Perhaps there's no real leadership at the club. That even stems from the top. And, you know, we might as well chuck Kroenke in here as well because the guy is an absent owner that will that has offered nothing since he arrived. He, he has not benefited Arsenal Football Club in the slightest He's an absolute waste of, of an owner. 
That was, I was expecting a more archaic term there, Chris. Mm-hmm. You, you set the bar very, Off-com. very high for yourself. Ofcom. Ofcom. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I'm reserving that. You're being well I'm behaved. reserving that for the break when I can Google some more mean words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested by this idea of that lack of leadership coming from the top and where you would most expect leadership in a football club in the form of the manager or the head coach. I think Emery, in a footballing sense, is very, very talented. I think there are moments this season where he's made tactical decisions where you look at it and go, you know what, I would never have thought of that and that was brilliant. That said, if I offered you a manager who was less tactically astute but actually was going to get his players up for it, was going to have a scrap, was going to give team talks that got the blood racing, would you rather have that fire than that intelligence? Giles, do you want to field that question? <laughs> no, you can. You're in a roll. Um, I don't know is the answer. Why can't we have both? I'm sure it's possible to have both. Um, well, look at Klopp. Yeah, exactly. You've got. You, there are examples of those managers out there. I, I just think my, my problem is I think there's part of me that's thinking Emery has underestimated um, the mediocre teams in the league. And I'll be honest and say Leicester, Wolves... Wolves are doing well this season. They've got some good players. Um, but Crystal Palace, certainly, they were very mediocre. I saw a Crystal Palace team that essentially, after about five, ten minutes, thought, this Arsenal team aren't that great. And then Root Wonders on the set on their second goal and they've come away with three points. Yeah. Um, I go back to my feelings on, on um, Emery. I, th- I, I think he... I think he's, he's obviously gotten getting to know the Premier League and he's, he's been given a rude awakening. Um, he, yeah, he, he just... I, I, my problem, my issue with him is he's not getting his point across. He said, I think he said after the, the Wolves game that he's, he blames himself for the way that the players played. You know, that's uh, he blamed himself uh, after the Wolves defeat. And that tells me that you're not getting your point across. And I don't know if it's a breakdown in communication or or, or what. You know, but if that's the case, get a translator in. You know, communicate to the guy in Spanish and get somebody else to speak to them in English. I think he did a Sky Sports interview the other day, and for, for once, for the first time I remember, he actually had a Spanish translator. He spoke in Spanish, and it was so much clearer. Like the, the translator was able to interpret what he was saying. It's so much clearer. Just do it in Spanish for now. You know, get somebody else in there to 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 to, to convey what you're trying to say to the players because there's so much confusion. Like, and again, I, I want to go back to. You know, against Wolves, we were trying to dominant play. Yesterday, we gave we seeded possession. I've never seen us seed oh, possession that was like horrendous, that. Horrendous, wasn't it? And the thing is, I think it's because he didn't know what else to do, because we're not good. We're not good even when we when we dominate possession away from home. So he's probably thinking, well, what else can I do? Well, let's counter attack them. I know it's. I know some people say we shouldn't be doing that against Leicester, but I think he probably just thought, you know what, we tried it against Wolves. We got completely overrun. Let's go. Let's go a different route. Let's try and feel our way into the game. Let them have the ball. We keep our fast, but we've got. He brought back a Bamiyang and he had Lacazette there. He brought in the two inside um, forwards in Awobi and Mkhitaryan. You know, he probably thought let's feel our way into it. Try and hit them on the break and and, and see what comes of it. And then the halftime change it around. But obviously that was. Go on. The, well, the problem is we don't have the athleticism to be a team that hits sides on the counter. We have two pacey forwards in um, Aubameyang and Lacazette. Uh, Lacazette isn't as pacey. Aubameyang has a real sort of raw power, but where's the athleticism to be able to break a counter? I mean, if 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 we're soaking up play defensively and then the ball turns over 
And so Leicester or any team has committed bodies forward. We've got players like Mkhitaryan that gets like Wobi does have a burst of pace. You give Wobi that he's got a bit of athleticism about him. But then you're talking about players like Xhaka. He's not going to be countering Torreira, not really. Mkhitaryan, not really. Özil, not really. We don't have that, and that's a fundamental problem with the team composition but as well. But Leicester only had Jamie Vardy was a player that had that could frighten us with pace. Madison's not going to go beyond you. Chill was coming from. Deep. I didn't see anybody apart from Vardy there. No, that, but they didn't but, play like that, did they? But, but they played they, a possession-based game because Brendan Rodgers yeah, has but, actually yeah, changed. But what their, they did, what they did is when is Vardy, what the Vardy would do would hang on the shoulder of the defender, come short and then go long, and then somebody would just clip it. Whether it was Pereira, Pereira, Pereira or Chua, they clip it in. I was looking at our players and I was thinking, Aubameyang can do that, and he's got more grass behind him. He's got he's got more he's got more real estate to play into. But nobody, nobody was doing. Nobody had that quick quickness of mind to think, get the ball, chip it over. He didn't do. They didn't do. It. Whether it was him not calling for the ball, and I think I did see him putting his hand up, calling for the ball a few occasions, or he's just not making those runs. And with Aubameyang, I've got to say, his record stands up to scrutiny. So you can't really say he's you know he's not worth it. But there were certain parts, elements to his game. He's frustrating. That is that really really frustrates me. Apart from the goal scoring, I, I think he, I think he hides. I do think he hides a lot of the time. I I take your point absolutely, but apart from the goal scoring is a big line there. I mean, he's got 19 in the <laughs> yeah, Premier exactly. League. That's yeah. why he's right up there at the top. Exactly. That's why you can't, you know, it sounds contradictory. But there were No, 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 it's not contradictory at all. And I th- I think you're spot on that he actually does go missing and he's the kind of player, he's got the kind of reputation where in a game like yesterday you would expect him to go, "You know what, lads? I'm not having this. It's a scruff of the neck job." And Harry Kane would do that. And Sergio Aguero would probably do that. Aubameyang doesn't. Yeah. But equally, you can argue, well, a poacher, if he gets his one goal, as far as I'm concerned, he can go to sleep for the rest of the match because he's done his job. Uh, well, that is, Aubameyang's football is getting in on the end of things and we've got a world-class finisher in that. And the problem that we have sits behind Aubameyang, actually. it's We haven't got the players that, you know, that first game last season when, when Aubameyang signed and we beat Everton 5-1 and that was what we'd all hoped would be he the Arsenal. He scored an offside goal. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> but balls in behind. It was balls in behind. It was play teams in. It was vision. It was a play that. Well, but we we don't. When was the last time you saw us play a ball in behind? It's essentially the same players, apart from Torreira and Socrates and Leno. The outfield players it, pretty much the same. Yeah, I mean, Mkhitaryan looks like the ghost of Mkhitaryan, and, actually. But and and you look at it, you think there's no players that can play. Me. Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang had a fantastic relationship at Dortmund. So I don't see. I just don't. I, there's just something. In these players' minds, that that stops them from playing their natural games and being just being proactive, you know, just be proactive, be be aggressive. You're, you're Arsenal. Do you think it might be us? Do you think it might be the pressure of the supporters and the way that we react? Do you think that's a burden for them? I think no. Got, in, I think what's happened is it's this whole this 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 whole um, talk about the away form has gotten into their heads. It's got into the manager's head. And it's also got into their our opposition's head. They're saying Arsenal are coming this week. So we could do him. Hmm. I think when we go to Burnley, if Burnley, obviously Burnley are safe now, but they'll be looking at Arsenal coming and they'll be like, well, they did them. Watford nearly done them. We could do him. It's a concerning time to be an Arsenal fan. The form of late has been very, very poor. Of course, as we touched on at Leicester, things as basic as being unable to defend a route one kick from a goalkeeper. And we'll be discussing that in just a moment. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Giles Aniam and Chris Howard of Gunnerstown. 
And now when we go through a traumatic experience, we need to find ways of dealing with that that are healthy. It might be talking to a friend. It might be expressing our emotions more physically. And Chris Howard, you had quite an extreme response to Arsenal's performance yesterday. Yes, after the game, uh, actually during the game, as soon as Ainsley Maitland-Niles got red carded, I went straight to my drinks cabinet and started uh, drinking the uh, the rum, which was very nice, spiced rum. And then after the game, I got told by my wife, we need to go into the garden and do the gardening. So I went into the shed. Had she I... met you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went into the shed, grabbed the biggest spade I could find and continued to pummel the earth and turn over all that soil that soil has never been so harshly treated in its entire life <laughs> probably it very was good essentially for it. assault i assaulted the soil chris there's a number it's called samaritan <laughs> 0207 <laughs> get on to him the next time yeah you know what it's it's interesting because i've been on social media after that game a few people come on social media and they're talking about how um our friend mark was saying that um he doesn't why he bother, he doesn't know why he bothers anymore you know um, that there's so there's this if there's such a disconnect between what the club's doing and how he feels about the club. He's like, well, obviously we're going to Valencia next week, um, and he's not. You sure. are. I'm not. Yeah, we, I'm you, not going through that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might. You said you might spend the best part of a grand go to Baku. No, he was going to go to Valencia, but they wouldn't let him take his spade <laughs> on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was saying, you know, that he doesn't know why he bothers anymore. You know, um, if the club can't bother, and the players can't bother, and Harry, why should he? And another friend of ours, uh, Ricky G, with GDP, said the same as you know. He said, "Look, you know, the last few years, he's found that he's he'd rather he's he'd rather spend his time doing different pastimes, mm. you know, like you know, he can see himself not sort of pursuing going week in week out or home and away, you know, so much more because he's you know it's there's there's a disconnect between him and the club. And Do you know what? As well, I would put that down to the direction of the club, yeah." Because of the lack of direction that we've had as a club, it feels like, well, where are we actually going? Are we actually going? Can we see the direction? Can we see the plan? All, all we've had so far in the last four or five years is some placating politician in Ivan Useless Gadizic. Mm. I can't say that. Gazidas. Mm. Saying, telling us we want to be as big as Bayern Munich. It's words. We've had hollow words or Jesus. no words mm. from Stan Kroenke. We're going to get nothing more from him now that he's uh, a full club. owner. Mm. Uh, so we as fans, we're in this limbo land uh, watching a what looks like listless and rudderless club. And when you look at... Often there are little things about football clubs that kind of give you boost. Things like, it's horrible to say, but transfers. Where are we going? Stuff like that. I hate transfers. I hate talking about it it's just it's an unsavory part of the game if you ask me vulgar. but it is it's a bit vulgar isn't it it's like who who which uh, which humans are we going to trade for our um, <laughs> which humans are we going to trade for our our next season our next foray into mediocrity um and but but things like that you hear stories about oh we only got 40 million pounds to spend or we're one of the top 10 richest clubs in the world and we, there is even if we had even if the owner came out and said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to stick quarter of a billion pound down. I just don't... Having seen the Denis Suarez stuff, which I'm sure we can talk about at some stage, um, having seen how that's panned out, I don't even trust the club to do the right thing, the, the, make the right decision and put players in that make us feel, make me feel like we're going in the right direction. It just feels like this is a listless, rudderless club in the way that it's run at the moment. And all right, we've got a new regime. It's not even a year old, but I'm not getting positive vibes at the moment. 
and things are looking a bit listless, a bit rudderless on the pitch as well. Of course, they weren't helped against Leicester with a relatively early red card for Ainsley Maitland-Niles. It is the elephant in the studio, gents. First of all, is it a red or is he unlucky? It's two, two uh, yellow cards. Uh, 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 no, not for me. I mean, it was so early in the game. It was like seven minutes in or something. He got his card out very early. Very no, you early. never see that. Yeah, I mean, you, you never give him see a warning. That. But was it a yellow card foul? No, not the first one. I, I the was, second one I thought was, because I thought he can't make that challenge. But I've seen a couple of angles. And we were on the, on the socials earlier having a look at it. And it looks like he's gone down really easy for the second one as well. well I was watching Dermot Gallagher Madison, earlier, that was, wasn't it? earlier mm. on today on Sky Sports. And he was saying the first one, the reason why he was given the... The yellow is because of the, um, you know, the, he had a lot of space to attack, Chilwell. And as far as the, 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 the officials were concerned, he was he was obstructing. He was, it was cynical. He was obstructing. I was like, yeah, okay, but you still see those kind of, you still see those kind of challenges and they kind of, you give them a free kick and that's the end of it. It was, so, it was seven minutes in, it's so early in the game. Mm. So now the kids, you know, the kids, the kids not going to be playing his natural game. He's, you know, uh, obviously, you know, Leicester are going to be a feeling that they can get at him. And I felt, I felt that Madison took advantage of that situation because I saw there were so many angles you see it in Sky Sports, and he hardly touched him. And it was, and the reason why the official gave him the yellow is because of, his, of Madison's reaction. He overdramatized it. He went down. He was screaming and whatnot. And he kind of influ- influenced Michael Oliver to give him that second yellow. And as and as and as and as um, um, Maitland Niles walked off, he went up to Madison and he said, "That was poor, Mads." Obviously, they're mates from the under twenty ones. Mm. So he went up to me and goes, look, that was poor. And Mads was kind of a bit coy, a bit sheepish kind of about it. And so I thought he to myself, knew. Yeah, he knew. Interesting he, as he well, knew. that coming from a player who has been quite heavily linked with Arsenal and could yeah. end up at the Emirates at some point. Do you think there was possibly a bit of naivety on show from Maitland-Niles, though whether or not Madison yeah. did go down easily, he's lost the ball and he's then dived in, in midfield, at a point where actually there isn't any real danger. You just think, Ainsley... You're on a yellow card, mate. Just yeah, calm down. It's, it's, you know, he's young, he's inexperienced. He's probably, you know, poor touch. He's let the ball run away. And, you know, you instinctively stick out your leg just to try and stop the play. But again, he hardly touched. I don't even if he did touch him. Yeah. It was really, the, it, was, it, was, it was cynical. That aside, though, yeah. we played, what, 30-odd, 32 minutes before that yeah. where we, we were woeful. Yeah. And th- I saw nothing in that opening exchanges to suggest that we were going to be any different from most of the games that we've had away from home of late. So it wouldn't have surprised me if, even if it had finished a gritty defeat 1-0, that, that wouldn't have surprised me at the, yeah. in the slightest. Possibly with the, the, out, the outcome wouldn't have been any different, but I think, as I said earlier, I, I think Emery was thinking, okay, seed possession, feel their way into the game, hit them on the break, you know, let them let them dominate the ball and let them come forward because in Maguire and Johnny Evans they haven't really got a lot of pace in the central defensive areas but you know it wasn't to be it wasn't to be and unfortunately it wasn't the only game that Arsenal have lost away from home since we last spoke it was another disappointing performance a disappointing result against Wolves and in just a moment we'll be asking you is Emery getting the tactics wrong this is love sport Defeat away to Leicester, defeat away to Wolves. Both of these results Arsenal fans dreaded, both coming, of course, at a crucial stage in the Premier League season. Arsenal's away form has been well documented. It's absolutely woeful. Huddersfield and Blackpool are the only two sides the Gunners have beaten away since Christmas. But even with the potential psychological weaknesses of the players, 
is Unai Emery getting things right and then finding himself unlucky? Or actually, is the Spaniard perhaps at least partially to blame? Yeah, of course. You've got to... <laughs> Buck starts with the manager always, isn't it? So, yeah, he is to blame. Um, uh, he's just, he's, I, like I say, I think he's um, he's found, he's, I don't know, it seems like he's kind of, whatever, whatever he evaluated, home, yeah, he? whatever he evaluated, on his way when he when he had his interview and you know when he first came into the club about the Premier League, it's obviously you know fear is different from practice and he's finding it very very difficult. You know um, these teams are savvy. There's a lot of savvy, a lot of canny operators in this league. You know and, and um, you know coupled with his chick constant tinkering with tactics and whatnot. You know chuck on top of it our away day ills. Chuck on top of it individuals who just you know check out it's it's a terrible 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 concoction mm. you know and you know he's, he's he's it's some of it has been unfortunate some of it has to the blame has to be laid at his door and you know he has to stand up and take it what i did you know what i was really disappointed with he never once comes out and says well the players need to take responsibility no never what he's, he's turning all, into a bit of a yeah, venger there yeah, isn't he you know, yesterday he come out and said he was proud what are you proud about what was there to be proud about? Apart from Lene's performance, what was there to be proud about in that performance? What was Is there it not be... good to see a manager go, you know what, the buck does stop with me? Yeah, well, he, he, he said that the other day and it was kind of like he was blaming himself for not... He was saying that it was my fault that the players didn't perform properly against Wolves and I wasn't sure where he was laying the blame. Was he saying that it's his fault because the players aren't good enough or his fault because the tactics weren't great? I, I, I wasn't sure what he was saying, you know, but... You know, there's there comes a time you just got to say, look, these players need to stand up and be kind. And he never says that. He's always he was kind of protected them and you know trying to platitudes and say he was what he to be proud about. The so, best managers, in fact, Arsene Wenger never did it. But if you think about Ferguson, I don't want to talk about Ferguson too much. But um, one of the things that he was really good at is finding a balance between sometimes he just absolutely chastised the players. And then other times he would defend them to the hilt, even when it seemed like they were indefensible. Like if they'd play, if United had performed poorly, sometimes he would just know to come out and, you know, defend them at all costs. And then other times they'd play poorly and he would actually just. So it's it's finding the balance to keep the players motivated because we all know what Jose Mourinho does. He's essentially um, he just sets fires. He sets he sets fires up everywhere, and the players react to it for a certain amount of time, and then it just becomes it falls on eventually everything's burnt down and you're left with a big pile of ash and no job exactly (laughs) with that where the away form is bad where obviously as you say there needs to be a reaction from these players in some respect Mm. emery's got a couple of options right the first is the molly coddling it's going you know what lads don't worry you're great at football mesut your hair's looking great the passing's brilliant you crack on son or as you suggest Giles, he stands up in front of the press and does a Chris. He reels off his list. He goes, these players are collie wobblers. They are cowards. Well, Johnny, not even like in front of the press, but I mean, I don't know what goes Craven. on behind... I don't even know what goes on behind closed doors, but he's got to flipping. He's got to get into them. He's got to tear into them. Whether it's behind closed doors, in public, you, don't, you don't really want to sit in public. You don't want to do it washing in public, but do it behind Tear into them. Maybe he did. We don't you'd, ho- you'd hope so. You'd I hope mean, so, if, but... if you're not tearing into them now, when are you tearing into yeah, them? Yeah, I mean... He did have a good goals. time. Nine goals yeah. conceded in yeah. a week. In a week. So that's the first time since May... I've been pulling up... Since pulling the World Cup year. Since May 1966, yeah, since last time Arsenal conceded three yeah. goals in a row. He's got, he's, he's got, you know, I really hope that he comes out in the press conference on Wednesday or, you know, and, and says, look, 
it's time for these players to start. I want him to really sort of like give it to them. Like, you know, just 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 let them know that it's 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 unacceptable. The standards are dropping. This is not Arsenal. We need it to you know we need to do something for ourselves and for the fans. I think you're absolutely right there. Actually, he can do it on Wednesday because he's geeing up the players. Yeah. And then if we end up, you know, doing the proverbial with the bed um, on Thursday night, maybe he needs to defend them like publicly, but still break into them. But yeah, he needs to be he needs to be saying to them what you've done in this last week is not acceptable. Yeah. You now go out and fix this. Yeah. Here's a big question then. Talking of next week, talking therein of the Europa League of Valencia, for all of these poor performances, for all of this cowardice on the pitch, if Arsenal go and win the Europa League and get Champions League qualification that way, is all forgiven? Is Emery a mastermind? Are the players brave He's not a mastermind, but he's bought himself you know, yeah. some real time. And, well, I mean, that would be absolutely amazing. Win the Europa season. League, end of season doesn't matter. We're having... None of this matters. This we'll, we'll, we'll be looking back on this in a couple yeah. of months' time and going, you know what? Wasn't it funny when we lost 3-0 to Leicester? Well, we were looking at it back and saying, we're in the Champions League. Now we've got a bit more money. Now we can see we, what he's going to do for next season. Yeah. Who's he going to bring in? And so does yeah, he get one more year? He gets yeah, big definitely. investment. Yeah. And one more? Does well, he get we, two more? We hope he gets big investment. We know he'll get the Champions League money. But he may still have to sell some, some of his assets. We don't know how much more money is going to be available. I still yeah. think, even if we go out against Valencia... If we lose against Brighton this weekend, if we then lose away to Burnley, we finish sixth and we're out of the they Europa might League. Have to make a decision on really? I, I think, think he needs he needs to get another year anyway because, well, it's it's back or sack, isn't it? Because if they're not going to back him, then what are they? Well, then what are they expecting? You might as well just go absolutely crazy and say chuck an Arteta in, um, see if we can blood some of these these young players. You know, we just had the was it the under eighteens or twenty threes have just won the league. Twenty threes yeah. have just won the league. Maybe I'm sounding a bit hyperbolic here. I think because you know he's not going to chuck. He's not a club like Arsenal going to ch- ch- chuck in a load of youngsters. But I don't know if he's not being backed. What's the point? And of course, we might get to a point where we need radical action. It's going badly wrong for Arsenal. What do you do? You've got to mix it up. You've got to get a response out of the players. So you ring the kit man. This is Love Sport. It's the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Giles Anniam and Chris Howard, who currently has steam coming out of his ears. (laughs) Both of those fine gentlemen are of Gunnerstown. And we're going to discuss now one of the most extraordinary tactical decisions ever seen by a Premier League manager. Obviously not going to plan for Unai Emery at the moment, so he decided to take evasive action. This is a story that's emerged in today's Daily Mirror with the rather sensationalist headline, Bizarre Pre-Match Routine, which has led to Arsenal losing three games in a row. Obviously, it's only this that is responsible. Uh, Emery has used a member of his support staff, Reed Kitman to give a rabble-rousing team huddle before a game. We're being told that Amish Manek, who is primarily in charge of organising first-team travel, has been effectively taking the team talks. It sounds like something out of a window sales sort of team, isn't it? Like David Brent. Yeah. Or it's very, kind of the office it's kind very of thing. sort of Mike I'm a Kitman yeah. first, manager yeah. second, yeah. probably yeah. an entertainer it's, third. Yeah, it's... Um, it doesn't sound great, but um, I don't know if that's modern football or what. I don't know how, what you put that down to. I just but. think it's really cringy. Yeah. I saw somebody, um, somebody I follow on Twitter, You Are My Arsenal, um, he actually said, Michael actually said, is this something to do, Is does that speak volumes about Emery's inability to actually um, drive forward the culture 
within the club so he's relying on others to try and create some sort of faux culture which i think was an interesting take on it to be honest with you yeah, just yeah, it just sounds it's, it just it's just another confusing aspect to to Emery and the way he kind of uh, come tries to convey or implement, and that's what I, I think that's where there's the, the you know it's his there's a breakdown in communication. Something's being lost in translation between him and the players, and it's just kind of symptomatic of everything. You know, I don't know what he's telling them. You, know, you see him going crazy on the touchline. You know, I don't know what he's telling him. And, you know, sometimes the players are confused. You see him, on the, you see him when there's a breaking play, they're saying, they're saying to each other, what's he saying? What does he mean? Like, do, we stand, do I stand here? Do you stand there? Do we, do we make a cup of tea? What, Someone what ask do? the kit man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a, there was a, I've seen a video of Alex Iwobi shouting to the substitute who came on, what formation are we playing? Yeah. And oh, you Lord. You hear things yeah. like that. And it's like, what? Like, he's actually mouthing, what formation are we playing? And you think you don't you don't know? Is it possible that it's a Wobi at fault there? What could be maybe or is it bad take... communication? Is is a Wobi not really it's playing attention? You never know. Yeah, it could be yeah. It might be just daydreaming in, in, in lessons. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you what lessons know. he is daydreaming mm. in finishing because yeah, it he seems to be one. the last two or three games, the Crystal Palace game, the ball falls to him right on the edge of the D and you're oh. thinking any other player if yeah, that falls sure. to Xhaka, Torreira, Ozil, Aubameyang, Lacazette, it's like any of our offensive players, uh, they're all offensive at the moment, um, <laughs> Craven. finishes it. Craven. Paul Crute, was it? Or Paul Toot? Yeah, there are so many good ones. Shirker <laughs> is right up there. He's a shirker. Oh, uh, absolute uh, yeah, shirker. It, 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 he, I remember his last season he said, no more rashing and lenging. I don't know what that means in street I, talk. But I, I don't think, know what any of that means. <laughs> but I think it meant something like, I'm going to put my foot through it now from now on. You know, because um, I think it was a training video. and Not practising what he's preaching then, is it? <laughs> exactly not. Exactly not. And it's just another aspect of his game, which I just think, I don't see, I, I don't see the, 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 the belief that people have that he's going to, he's, he's on the cusp of, or he might improve, or he might have a huge outside. I, I really don't see it, Chris. I watch him and I just think, you've got the, you've got the physical attributes, but you don't use them to your, to your, to the fullest of your ability. You know, you, 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 you're not aggressive. You're not confident. You know, you're in front of goal. All you're thinking of doing is you're concentrating and putting it on target. Let me make sure that, you know, my technique's right. Keep my head over the ball. Foot through the, you know, side foot it, in step. Don't just, just concentrate on banging it in. Look at Aguero yesterday. He was just, once he got the chance, bang, hit it. Put your foot through the ball. Power. Let the goalkeeper do the rest. Yeah. You I know? mean, Iwobi is the enigma because he's one of our attacking players. So he should spend most of his time in the final third. But where he does most of his good work is in the middle third yeah, when transition. he's driving past yeah. people. And then when he gets into that final third, I have no confidence ever that he is either going to put in a good ball or he's going to finish. And that's just bizarre that one of our attacking players is like that. And people keep saying to me, well, he's only like 23, 23. Really four years in the first team setup. Yeah, it's, you, you need Nearly to be further in your development yeah. there. So I think from my perspective, another player been him. And the other end of the skill is mate, Mkhitaryan, decorated, experienced, doesn't show up. Bin. Doesn't show up. Bin, bin, <laughs> you know. binny, bin, bin, bin. How big is your bin? It's a, it's a big bin. As big it's as your bins be. out there, those industrial garden bins. Those, are, those are quite big. You <laughs> yeah. could probably get a couple We've... of Alex Iwobis in there. <laughs> Definitely. As a final note on the kit, man, I obviously, you know, every week before we come in here for the show, I just pop in. For 10 minutes with Patrick Christie's and Richard Lee for Love Sport Drive. We have a chat. I let them know what's coming up on this show. And I 
broke down this story for them. I said the kit man has been giving the speeches. And Richard Lee, who is, you know, he's a former Premier League goalkeeper and he's an inspirational bloke as well. He, dead serious, went, well, yeah, but what if he's a really good motivational speaker? Is that a possibility? Has why, is he, why is he a kit man then? <laughs> it's a yeah. job. Why is he not on the circuit, on the conference circuit? Yeah. <laughs> but is it possible that Emery has actually identified a master motivator in the background of the club? Worked a treat, didn't it? Well, yeah. Worked a treat. Well, a, it didn't work, but B, I'm pretty sure part of the story as well says that he's been rotating it. So not mm. only does well, he rotate our team, that, yeah, he There's rotates the motivational speakers as well. So maybe that's one of the criteria when you hand your CV in at London Cold. Maybe you're the call up. Ne- uh, you'll get the call up next week. You can turn up with I'll a list of that, words. Yeah. Bin, <laughs> bin, bin. Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Giles Anniam and Chris Howard of Gunnerstown. And I'm delighted to say that we're also joined on the line by James Benj, who's a senior reporter at Football.London. Evening, James. Thanks very much for joining us. The most word used in the studio so far this evening is bin. All craven. They're currently vying. All cowards. Because as you may be able to tell, the atmosphere is not all that cheery. <laughs> Are you similarly frustrated? Um, because I, I, I kind of thought that the period of having to write off every Arsenal season and the final few weeks and of them um, just kind of folding under any pressure had, had kind of ended under Unai Emery. And that kind of with a new manager, it might be a new story, but it really does feel like the same old Arsenal um, you know, Kate keeps handing them these lifelines and they keep, I guess, throwing them in the bin. So uh, there's another use of the word bin. Hi, uh, James Giles here. What do you think Emery's tactics were, you know, yesterday? How, what do you think he was trying to implement with that use of tactics at the start of the game yesterday? I have absolutely no idea, honestly. I, normally you can see some sort of semblance of the plan and it was definitely a reaction to the, the Wolves game where Arsenal kind of had loads of possession and just left themselves way out on the break. And obviously, you can't really do that against Jamie Vardy. So there was a kind of, I guess, a view to the, the idea that Xhaka and Torreira will sit deep and shield the back four, even though, which has Mustafi in it, even though Emery basically doesn't think he can play in a back four. Um, but then I didn't really understand what Mkhitaryan and Iwobi were supposed to do, and they didn't really do much anyway. And there seemed to be an awful lot of long balls up to Aubameyang, which is hardly the best idea when you you know he's up against someone like Maguire. He so he talked in his post-match press conference about you know wanting to have a lot of possession, and I don't think Arsenal have ever had as little possession in a game um, since stats have been around in the Premier League era. So I don't know what the plan was. There was no sign of it on, on the pitch. It was a mess from start to finish. Uh, up there, with the worst performances of the Emery era. Yeah, and su- such a short era too as well. And um, James has Chris here. Um, last season, we were all talking about how the players had essentially given up on Wenger uh, just before he announced that he was leaving. And we're, they're putting in similar performances. Do you think the players are losing faith with Emery? I, I don't really. I know he is very popular and the players do respect a lot of what he's achieved. But, I mean, I just think... I, I just think they're losing faith in themselves, really. I think there's a lot of... You know, I spoke to Granit Xhaka after this game and he just looked drained and exhausted and, you know, he was asked about the confidence in the dressing room and, you know, there was a sort of grim laugh before he spoke. I really feel says it all and I think 
there's still an issue within this group in terms of how they respond to adversity. Like, I know it might be a bit of an old-fashioned view, but personally, I put a lot of that on on the captain and the leadership um, around this group. I think people like Petr Cech and, and Lauren Koscielny are, are excellent ambassadors for the club, but they're not really going to g the troops and, and inspire uh, better performances from from their teammates by through their words. And sometimes you just look around that group of players and you think, right, well, who's Who's setting expectations? Who's setting demands? I don't really think there is anyone, and I think that's why when things go wrong, they start to go really wrong really quickly. James, looking at the squad uh, and the options available, I saw uh, on on the bench you had four under twenty or twenty one or unders, and three aging players. That tells me, I mean, there's no one in that bracket of established kind of players that can step in and do a job. You know, um, there's a big, there's I, I think there's a massive chasm between his first eleven or most of his first eleven and players in the squad that can come in and do a job. You can, you might as well, you can even argue that the guys in the first eleven aren't up to standard themselves. What do you do? You see him plugging that gap, that talent gap, or in the summer? And how do you think? Do you think the club will back him in the summer? to plug that kind of gap and, and sort of like improve the status, the, 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 the talent level within the squad? I think they'd like to. And, I, you know, as I've reported before, the money's not really going to be there. If, as looks likely, they miss out on the Champions League, there's less than £50 million in the transfer budget. Right? You can try and sell a lot of these players, but I'm going to need a lot of convincing that there's going to be a a, a ton of teams lining up outside the door to take someone like Mustafi or Mkhitaryan even off your hands. Um, I think that they would like to. I think the truth is we're really looking at that that summer when the Urzil contract expires, when the Mkhitaryan contract expires. That's the summer of 2021. That is when I would expect to see a real change and that might be under a different manager. Mm. But look, Arsenal have, um, you know, in, the, in those final, in that January they absolutely obliterated their wage budget um, to keep players that require very specific set of circumstances to impress. Um, they have a, as you, I think the really important thing that you point out there is they have a squad that is largely made up of players that are over 30 or under 24. You know, sort of, you've got in in terms of players that you might say are theoretically in what should be their prime years. You have someone like Mustafi, Ramsey. Um, Lacazette, Leno, that's about it, really. There's some really good kids coming through, both, you know, the likes of Guendouzi and Holding, the regulars in the team, and, and the, the players at under-23 level. But there are a lot of people in their 30s that are on a lot of money, and some like Aubameyang are playing well, but a lot of them aren't, really. So it, I think this could be the start of a rough few years where I just think if Arsenal can just keep competitive and, and, and just keep themselves in the top six that might actually be an achievement James if Arsenal are left with this current crop of players in the summer as of course they will be and Unai Emery is only given 50 million quid as it sounds like he will be is it going to be fair to judge his performance in any way shape or form because he's had one window he's brought in a few of his own players but this squad needs wholesale surgery doing to it and if he's not got the money to do it are we even going to know what kind of job he's doing no, but I guess that's just how it works. It's going to work at Arsenal. And I mean, I guess the thing we forget here is 
if he wins the Europa League, everything's fine, everything's great. You, you know, you're in the Champions League, a bit more money to spend, and there's less pressure on everything. But I think this could be such a tough job for him, um, and it could be a really tough job for any manager. And so we might end up, you know, maybe in a, a year's time, if there's no progress, Arsenal kind of, I'm not, no one's quite sure how exactly the option will work in his contract if there is one. Um, I couldn't say with 100% certainty, but it might be that in a year's time we're looking at sort of Emery moving on because he's not quite been able to do the job. Um, but it's such a tough job, I'm not sure who could. Um, one more thing for me, uh, James. The, what do you think the response is going to be on 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 Thursday? I mean, obviously Napoli, we 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 took care of them. Do you think the players are going to? Be do you think that we sh- the players will be looking at this as their their one last chance to get into the top four? I mean, I know you spoke to Shaka and I think he said that they're not thinking about the top four. Do you think they're now focusing more more or less on the Europa League as, as their one route to get back into the Champions League? I think much more. In in effect, you, you can't really control what happens in terms of the top four. You need a, another team to do you a favour against Chelsea, so. I think you do really have to work off the assumption that the Europa League is your is your only way into the top four. And look, I'm, I'm, I'm not a regular watcher of Valencia, but it sounds like this is quite dreadfully at the weekend as well. So I think there's kind of I think Arsenal are quite confident, or should be quite confident, they can get through that semi final. Um, and then you know London derby in the final with you know all the pressure that Chelsea can ruin Arsenal's Champions League hopes and beat them to a trophy. Um, that sounds very <laughs> stressful indeed, but um, yeah, it's absolutely the the focus now is really on the Europa League. I think there'll be quite a good response. I think they'll play well. Um, I think the Emirates might kind of for once be be really up for a game, and and then I think probably they're going to make the final. So that you know suddenly, as I said, it could all then change on one game. That one game will define whether or not I mean success, uh, first season has been a success or a failure. Mm. I guess no pressure then. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure then, indeed. James, you're spot on. Lovely to speak to you as ever. Thank you for joining us. James Benj there, who is the senior reporter at Football.London. One thing James mentioned there was that he's pretty confident that Arsenal will get past Valencia, not just because of their indifferent form of their own, of course, but also because Arsenal's form in Europe has seemed to have defied the league form. Of course, shambolic in the Premier League, but very, very impressive, very tight at the back against Napoli across two legs. That sort of ties in with the away form, doesn't it? Because Arsenal's away form didn't seem to apply in Naples. Neither did the league form. If they can do it on a cold, windy night in Naples, Mm. why can't they do it at Leicester? The only thing I'd say with that, though, is that Napoli had chances in both games and they really spurned quite a few very good chances and... Maybe we rode our luck a little bit at times, but we still did the business. You know, you can't re- can't really complain not conceding over two legs against such a good team. I think we caught them on a good day, and the narrative of the second leg changed because we didn't concede in the first leg. Mm. So I think that had a bit of an impact, and that's how important it's going to be on um, Thursday night. And it will be interesting because I think they're missing people like. Um, Condog, uh, Condogbia. Condogbia's, right. I think he's injured okay. uh, at the moment. And he's a big player. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't watch enough Spanish football to know about Valencia, but... He certainly comes into his own. 
I mean, the Europa League is his competition. Yeah, he's got this incredible yeah, pedigree. Yeah, you know, um, and for one reason or another, he just seems to be comfortable. Yeah, and and you know, and and it come and he it conveys it to the players, and somehow they carry out what he wants them to do. Obviously, without a few, you know, there's, there's always a few frights along the way. You look at Rennes in the first leg, Barté, Barté, you know, um, but you know, we've kind of got through, it and he seems to know what he's doing. He seems. He's comfortable in that Europa League jacket, so um, yeah, I, I I'm hoping that we see a response on on Thursday, um, and go out. You know, we we leave Emirates with a, with a, with a healthy lead. I really think we need to. We have to because we've got confidence. We've got know? a terrible record against Spanish teams. I yeah. think I think and the Real Madrid we, away game. Um, all those years ago yeah. where Henri scored I think that's the only time in my head I can remember that we've beaten Spanish teams no, we have to we have to exercise the ghost of John Carew yeah I <laughs> rolling yeah. back the years yeah, there G Valencia, the last time we played them was the ghost of John yeah. Carew so you know we owe them I think my single favourite thing that John Carew has contributed to football is actually a quote from Zlatan Ibrahimovic after they had a falling out and uh, Ibra was asked what he thought of it and he said, yeah, well, whatever, because what John Carew can do with a football, I can do with an orange. (laughs) (laughs) Always modest. (laughs) Love it. Would you have, and I'm not being wholly serious here, but it's an interesting question. When we talk about the need for leaders, for passion, for resilience, would you have a geriatric Zlatan Ibrahimovic, an ageing, bring Carl's Poyol out of retirement. Would you have someone who's not quite good enough in that Licksteiner mould if it meant that even if you didn't play them, you'd just sort out that dressing room? But we sort of did have that with Murta Saka. We've got Socrates. He's a fiery rah-rah-rah. I think it comes down to more than that. I think we need a bit. We need that, but we need a bit more... Ment- it's, it's it's a mental thing that has, has seeped through the entire team. Mm. This isn't a let's just get let's just channel some sort of um, Tony Adams esque mm. player to come in. We could get that one player, but unless the mentality of the entire squad changes, one player isn't going to make a lot of difference. Yeah, and to change the mentality of the entire squad, you're going to have to change large parts of that squad. Of course, with lots of players going out the door. So there's just one word for that, really. This is love sport. Bin. The Arsenal. The Arsenal. You are, of course, listening to the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and Giles Aniam and Chris Howard of Gunnerstown. And if this week hadn't already been harrowing enough for Arsenal fans, they were greeted with the glorious, actually comical news that a certain Mr Suarez is out for the season. What is a Dennis Suarez? It's Kim Kallstrom, isn't it? (laughs) The ghost of Kim Kallstrom. Return to haunt us. How much football did he play in the first 67 minutes. Across how many games? Suarez. Suarez. Suarez played 67 minutes, I think, across about four games, was it? All substitute appearances. He didn't even start in a single game, did he? No. I think when they went to Dubai... I don't even think he started. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think right, he came right. on as a half-time sub. <laughs> so the first question before we get into quite how farcical this injury is, is how farcical the signing was in the first place. Because when Arsenal were linked, it did seem to make sense. There was the Spanish connection for Emery. He's a highly rated player. Arsenal had been linked in the past. It was looking like a potential permanent deal wouldn't be too complicated in the summer. But why do we want him so much if he wasn't going to play any football? Emery. 
This is my biggest worry. So this time last year, we had the transfer diamond eye Sven um, Mislintat, and the aim of the club was to start to unearth some of these young gems that um, that could potentially make a big difference to us and also give us a different model. You know, we can't compete with the cities, we can't compete with the Liverpools, but if we go out and we buy the Mavropanoses or the Genduzis and they can... They cost paltry amounts, but they can get into the first team and they can show promise. Then, you know, at least we've got a direction. And this is, again, me pointing towards the direction in which the club is going. And I felt like a year ago, it felt like we had that sort of direction. I don't mind if the club says we've got 60 million quid to spend, 70 million quid to spend or whatever it is. But we know exactly what we're going to do. We're going to go for these younger profile players, 21, 22 year olds. We're going to spend 10, 15, 20 million pounds here and there. Trust us. We've already unearthed a few. But... Because of because Sven has now gone, and we had the stories of Raúl Senyehi and his contacts getting his little black book out. The first example of his little black book is to buy a squad player who wasn't fully fit from Barcelona because Emery knew him, and that's my biggest worry: is that we get into the summer and we're going to end up with the Enzonzis of this world just because Emery knows them. Would you not have Enzonzi? Thirty years old, you know, he probably how much is he going to cost? Twenty million quid. Yeah, it's it's just. It's not progressive. It's not forward-thinking, is it? It's not forward-thinking transfer. Um, I don't know what they were thinking with Dani Suarez. He'd had half he'd had half a season a few seasons ago. Uh, you know, they kind of showed some promise, and that was it. Barcelona were trying to fit us up. They were trying to fit us up. They yeah. wanted like twenty odd million yeah. quid or something. They, wanted, didn't they? they were guarantees, didn't they? A, a, a compulsory. Can you imagine? Riot. You know, can you imagine somewhere? if we'd have already have got that? Oh, if we'd have if we'd have been forced into that signing, I mean, he may yet turn out to be a good player somewhere else. I'm just, it's not Arsenal. Yeah. And uh, what we did see of him, I didn't really see a player that I thought, wow, and there's the, something and, in here. And the thing is, you say to people, um, you know, the club really didn't, really didn't back the, the team with any investment. People say, oh. You know, you've got to understand the story. There's a story behind that. You know, we're not looking to make any deals in January. It's all about the summer. I was thinking, well, Tielemans. You know, this one got Tielemans. We could have... On know, loan. On loan. You know, he seems all right. You know? Um, so there were, uh, there were the odd deals out there, loan well, deals that could have been made. This is where know? the things like the Perisic doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Perisic is, is an expensive, even loan signing. It would have been an expensive signing. And, and he's geriatric. Yeah. yeah. He's very odd. He's so, had a terrible season. So... There just doesn't. There's no structure. There's no strategy. It's this time last year. Even Gazidis, he probably knew he was on his way out, mm. and so he thought, "Oh, I want some PR signings here." So he went out and bought Aubameyang. You know, don't get me wrong, he's been brilliant, so excellent. But he also went out and bought Mkhitaryan, and Mkhitaryan has been woeful as yeah. a signing. And on two hundred grand a week, I mean, it's we're essentially chucking money away. The joke is he's been better and cheaper than the man who moved in the opposite direction. But you know well, what? Yeah. You know but, but the man who moved in the opposite direction? We haven't replaced him. Mm. Those goals, that energy, that that single mindedness to try and win a game. Yeah. We have not replaced Which is that. nowhere on no, the pitch. Yeah, you know. I know that people said that towards the end of his career at Arsenal he was he became marginalised and sulky and petulant and whatnot. But I tell you what, that sixteen seventeen season when Wenger put him up front because because Giroud couldn't do it the that season before against West Ham. Oh. Mm. There was, that was just one example of how many times he took a game by the scruff of its neck mm. and won us the game. And Wenger, apparently, apparently he was co-commentating for the Arsenal Leicester game on Sunday, and he said, um, 
What's the difference? The biggest difference between Alexis Sanchez at Arsenal, but Alexis Sanchez at Man United? He said, well, uh, uh, Mesut Ozil was the biggest difference, and I think Mesut Ozil has missed Alexis Sanchez as much as Alexis Sanchez misses him. You know that combination, that connection that they had was magical. Well, at this rate, you know? they could be reunited in China. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you never know. But you know, that's the kind of player that I want to see. Maverick, Enigma. I don't care if he's if he doesn't if he's not best pals with him. If he doesn't if he doesn't talk. If he doesn't add to their social media trade or whatever it is they do on Instagram or Snapchat. I just want somebody that goes out there and can win a game out of nothing. Hazard does it. They've got so many players at Man City that do it. You've got the front three at Liverpool that do it. We need somebody of that ilk at our club. Two seasons ago, he was bombing along that left-hand side and cutting inside and whipping balls in. Now we've got someone like Alex Iwobi who's coming inside, tripping over his own feet, uh, side-footing it to a goalkeeper or crossing it out of play. Ben. Absolute bin. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think it's a struggle. And the Tielemans point, Giles, that you bring up is a very, very interesting one where obviously as football fans, we can't expect our club to be the club who makes the gem signing every time. Missing out on Tielemans, fair enough. It's not like United, Barcelona, PSG were queuing up, even though he has been massively rated for years. But as you say, there must be other better options. You could argue that Andre Gomez, whilst not an exceptional player, has actually been better on loan at Everton than Denny Suarez has at Arsenal. At least he's got on the pitch. <laughs> Arsenal's... Seriously, <laughs> That's though. That's criteria. Seriously, though. Our if criteria, you sign a player and he doesn't play any football, then you can sign uh, Ronaldo. The frankly. reason why I don't really rate I don't think Gomez would have been good at Arsenal because he's 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 a quite a slow player to me. He kind of gets the ball, kind of keeps it. He's not punchy with it. Tielemans, I was watching him on Sunday. His movement, off the his off the ball movement, brilliant. Drifts into areas that you're not, you know, drifts behind the centre half, drifts in between the lines, gets the ball, touches it on. He sees what he, before he's gotten the ball, he knows what he's going to do with it. Scores goals as well. Scores, scores goals as well. Has, you know, has he got an option to? Buy, Leicester got the yeah, option to buy it. And yeah. So apparently there was a swap. That I think Adrian Silva went to Monaco, and he's gone there on loan. I think it's not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's compulsory. And I know that he's in the shop window. And it's not only going to be well. Yeah. There'll be other clubs that'll be up for him. What it'll come down to is whether Leicester's option is exclusive or whether they get first refusal. Yeah. And I don't think they do. No. And we've already seen, I mean, obviously transfer rumours, as you were saying, Chris, transfer rumours are transfer rumours. They're very hard to know if they're real or not. But I've seen him heavily linked to Arsenal, heavily linked to Spurs, heavily linked to PSG, heavily linked to United. Yeah. So, I mean, not, all, Leicester aren't getting yeah, him. Exactly. Which yeah. is quite hard on them, really. And you saw him, the one moment, by the way, where I thought he might have a chance of staying there was when he scored and immediately hugged Madison and they had a special sort of secret mm, yeah. handshake. And I mm. thought, hang on a minute, that isn't actually the behaviour of a loan signing who's mm. just there to put himself in yeah. the shop window. A lot of these Arsenal players need to be getting in the shop window because Chris Howard is going to be coming into the club in a managerial capacity and instigating an absolute fire sale. <laughs> but he will forgive you if you win the Europa League. And coming up next, we'll be asking Europa League or bust. This is Love Sport. It's the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with Johnny Burrow, Giles Aniam, and Chris Howard of Gunnerstown. And the one bit of light at the end of the tunnel for Arsenal fans as things stand is, of course, the upcoming Europa League semi-final against Valencia and the possibility of a final and even winners' medals after that, which would, of course, bring with them 
Champions League qualification. Now, that's not looking all that likely via the league route, getting in the top four. Do you feel now that that's gone and it's a case of Europa League or no Champions League? Well, we need snookers in the the league. That's just the bottom line. You know, we need snookers, we need need help from others. But as James said, um, maybe the players are thinking more about the Europa League now, you know, um, and their chances in it. And, um, you know, you know, as we discussed earlier, we're looking quite good. Uh, Valencia, they've got a couple of good, I know, uh, Goncalo Guedes was somebody that we looked at or we were interested in last Everyone season. Everyone looked at yeah, him, I think. You know, he had a stellar season at, on loan at them last season. I think he signed for them permanently. You know, they've got a few good players, Rodrigo or someone quite decent over there. But I think we've got, we're capable of doing it. And, and you know, it, I, I think we have to start looking at the Europa League, like I said, we we need snookers in the in the league. I'm not sure how many we're going to get. We gonna it's going to have to be the stars are going to have to align for us to sneak that top four. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, we've got um, Brighton at home, which I'd, I'd fancy us to win. Uh, Burnley away, not really. Uh, but even if we won those two games, that puts us on 72 points, and I think Chelsea are on 68. So Chelsea can afford to draw, and because we've lost three 0 as well, I think our goal difference is now worse than than Chelsea's I'll, you can have a check for me Giles but they've got Watford at home I would, I don't expect I think Watford will be playing within themselves they've got a cup final a few weeks later and then they've got Leicester away maybe we get they get a Leicester team that can be bothered but last game of the season they probably won't have anything to play for they'll be on the beach they'll be a little bit more imp- impetus from Chelsea's perspective I think Chelsea have probably got that sewn up now um so therefore, yeah, it is the Europa League or bust. And I fear, I just fear that we're going to get Chelsea in the final. And I don't we know. Won't, I we, thought, won't, we won't I be thought, able to. I think if we can beat Valencia. Yeah, I mean, let's not too, look too far ahead. I think I think Eintracht Frankfurt have upset the odds all along this season. And I think they might do it again against Chelsea. They've so got some quality players Those as well. front four, those the Kostic, uh, Rebic, uh, Jovic, who might be going to Real Madrid and Haller. Very good combination up there, up front. You know, they'll cause Chelsea some problems. But we've got to think about Valencia. It's looking more and more likely that's going to be our route. And the thing is, you know what? Even if, The thing is, this squad is not ready for, for Champions League. Even if we get Champions League qualification... Well, half of we them get, in the bin. Yeah. So, <laughs> we need about <laughs> yeah. 16 players. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I, I can't remember how much you get for qualifying for the Champions League. It's about 65 around 65. that mark. Well, that's going to get you a couple of... I still think we need to do some trading, some wheeling and dealing in and out. Get Radnap in. Yeah. If you think <laughs> about it, do some do some logistics. Let's just say we've got 40 million quid. Um, even if we get into the Champions League at 65, mm. if you can offload a few players at, what, 30? Should we say another 40 million quid? You're talking about 145 million pounds. Max. Yeah, yeah, at best. If you're going to go out and buy first teamers, you're probably talking about between thirty to fifty million. Hmm. Let's just say it's fifty. Let's just say we buy five fifty million players. That's one hundred and fifty million. That's five that's fifty million. Five thirty million players. Right. Sorry. So, but that's not even thirty million pound. Isn't even your your top no, top drawer. That's your granny jackers. That, that is like Lucas Torreira. Lucas Torreira cost us twenty five million, and that was a bit of a gamble. We knew that he had a release clause. We got in there early. We've got to. You got to do that gotta five savvy. times. Got to be really. You've got to be not just savvy. You've got to be like unbelievably savvy. But yeah. you I can't see be, it. You should be unbelievably savvy, shouldn't well, you? I mean, Arsenal are a top club with this reputation of is, unearthing gems. The Why thing can't is, they do? Everybody's it? in the same market, though, aren't they? That's the thing. There was a time with Arsene Wenger's time where he knew this, the, the West Africa and French market. He was the only one that knew that market. 
you know, everyone's playing the same, the same, you know, the, the same, the same field. I think Arsenal play it slightly differently. I think if you look at the kind of player who Man City have been looking to sign in the last few years, the kind of player who Chelsea are looking to sign United in a relatively similar way, they're signing the big obvious players. Mm. Liverpool are a possible exception, but even the likes of Naby Keita were rated. I think the Torreira signing, the Xhaka signing, a very good example of Arsenal trying to get a bit clever with it. And if they do bring in a new director of football who does know what he's doing or she's doing on a really serious level, then surely there could be a few gems out there. Yeah, that's, but, the, that's the thing. You have to get a technical director or promote, is it Kajigawa or whatever his name is, you know, but we at the moment we and don't. And we've done nothing. Yeah. Like we went, all out. Out. we went all out for Monchi and, and he said, cheerio lads, and the thing uh, is, I'll go back to Seville. And the thing is, this is farcical. And the thing is, it's now the time that, that Technical directors and head of—they're making, you know, they're, they're they're talking to players, and we're sitting they're almost, on our hands. Yeah, they're, 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 they're almost finalising deals, and they're waiting for the end of the season to announce them. And at the moment, from what we know, nothing's happening or very little's happening. You know, so it doesn't—it puts us really on the back foot. You know, get the Champions League. We're 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 playing. We're 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 behind the eight ball in terms of finding recruiting players that we want. Those players will be. We'll be getting drummed up by other clubs either here or elsewhere in the continent. Teams like Dortmund, they don't have they don't have much money, but they're very savvy with their recruitment. Those kind of teams will be looking at the same kind of players that we're looking at, you know, as well as people from these shores. So you know, we're 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 behind the eight ball as it is, and I'm you know I'm not really I'm I'm not super confident that we're going to get many players that Emery needs to improve this squad whether it's in the Champions League or the Europa League next season and my worry is that the Suarez situation is a case in point my worry is that Emery's just going to say I like this player and I like that player and I want this player and I want that player well actually at the beginning and of the season all of those players are in Zonzi yeah all of them <laughs> but, but and the problem is is that the way that we, when he came into the club he came into a structure we were told you're not having anything to do with that. Mm. You tell us a style. We'll, we'll go through. We'll agree collectively the style. Do you and think we'll he's a soft there. touch? Seriously, I mean, we've talked about cowardice of the players. We've talked about him not being willing to clear them out. Do you think, in every part of his managerial style, Emery is a man who is willing to just take the flak, take the back seat, and be a pushover? I don't know. He just he does seem to want to impress a lot. He wants to placate. Just to, wants to be loved, Giles. Yeah, you know, um, he came and he said, I don't mind what squad I've got. I'll work with what I've got. I think that's, I think he's kind of, it's opened his eyes, actually, that this squad is not good enough. No. You know, um, and come the summer, he's going to have to, I think he's going to have to go to the board and say, look, you need to back me. If, we, if you want us to get into that Champions League or, you know, return to that kind of level, we're going to need to make some serious investment. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to do that. This self-sustaining model, I don't think it's working right now. Well, talk, talking of that investment, even our tentative estimated figure of 145, 50 million quid if we get into Champions League. relies on Champions League qualification. We've established that realistically, the only way the club are going to do that is by winning the Europa League. But as you mentioned, Giles, earlier in the show, Unai Emery has a pedigree in that competition that beats any manager in world football. I think in the history of world football, he has an incredible knowledge of what it takes to win. Now, when he was brought in as Arsenal boss, Arsenal already knew that they would be playing in that competition for at least one year, quite possibly a few years. Do you think that was a significant factor in his appointment? Could well have been. You know, could well have been, you know, apparently the, the, the uh, Sanlehi and Vinay said that Champions League qualification is a must this season so bringing in Emery who's got 
as you say, unrivaled knowledge pedigree. Gives you that company. backup plan. Yeah. You know, so maybe, maybe so. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think it's too far from the truth. Probably one of the factors that got him the job. Yeah, most likely. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I feel like it's a lot to put, it's a lot of, to put your faith in and put your reliance in cup competitions is dangerous. And we've had it in front of us. We've basically, within a week, had a nice, easy, you know, I keep, what keeps going on in my head is even if we'd have completely have, Fall stumbled as we have done away Leicester and Wolves. We only need to beat Palace, mm. and then we only need to beat Brighton, and then you take it down to the final game, and it's still in our hands, and we fudged it. And that's the thing that I keep. Even yesterday, after the game, I just kept looking back at that Palace game and saying, "That was when mm. you absolutely Had and it to was do it. and that was and that was Emery, I think, because and that was Emery thinking like a, a mainland European manager, thinking this is the sort of game I can." probably rotate quite comfortably mm. you know that's that sort of stuff happens in spain in spain in france you know you play the getafes or whatever it yeah. is on a saturday or on a sunday and you pick up your win and then you go and play in europe having rested a few players that doesn't happen in the yeah, premier I league i think he took our home form for granted and took palace apparently palace didn't even play their, their top squad either you know so he probably took them for granted as well but yeah it's come a cropper it's come back to to, to haunt us it's a, it's a difficult time to be an Arsenal fan. And whatever Unai Emery says, it's a point at which the players have to take some responsibility. And some of them, to be honest, have to go. Coming up, we're going to be discussing how much Deadwood needs cutting. And there's only one answer. Chris, this is Love Sport. Open the bin. It's the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Giles Aniam and Chris Howard of Gunnerstown. And this is a show where we love to hear from you. As ever, you're welcome to ring in 0208 7020 558 or you can tweet in at Love Sport Radio or at GT Radio Pod. And that Twitter account has been put to good use this week by our own Chris Howard because he ran a poll and it's kicking off. The poll asks a very simple question. How many of Arsenal's current first-team squad would you let go in the summer? You've got three options. One to five, six to ten, or Chris's preferred choice. All of them. Uh, all of them comes in distant third. You'll be pleased to hear with 8%, presumably because a few of us like Aubameyang. Yeah. Uh, one to five is in next with 29%. And six to ten, which is a massive overhaul romps to the lead with 63% of 641 votes. So not a negligible sample size there. People want serious, serious change at this football club. Yeah, it's interesting as well, because if you start to then look at the individuals that are definitely going to go anyway, so I think Jenkinson is probably definitely going to go. I think mm. he's got another year in his contract, doesn't he, Giles? I don't know. He's in a never-ending contract. Yeah. Um, let's just say you're going to get a maximum of, what, a couple of million quid for him. Mm. Max. You've got Lischsteiner, you're going to get nothing for him. You've got Ramsey, we're going to get nothing for him. You've got Czech, we're going to get nothing for him. We've got Welbeck. You're going to get nothing for him because his contract's running out unless you offer him a new contract. Mm. So we're talking about getting £40 million from transfers and you're probably looking at what if Chambers comes back in. It's probably not a popular choice for some people because some Mm. people have said, well, actually, he's done well at Fulham. He's done very well at Fulham. But if you're talking about making some money, then I feel like there's only two players that, I mean, I would bin quite a few players as we've already uh, discussed tonight, (laughs) but Mustafi is something that a lot of people have talked about. What are you going to get for him? Like £20 quid? Yeah, we take a loss on him, won't we? Uh, and then if you talk about Chambers, you might get another 20 million quid. 
Yeah, I think you'd get 20 for the Englishness. Yeah. You know what? I I wouldn't... I, I don't really want to think about it, but if we don't get Champions League, I think one of the front two would have to be sold. Simply because they've got some value, whether it's Aubameyang or Lacazette, they'll probably be easier to sell than someone like um, Ozil and Mkhitaryan because they'll be sought after. And yeah, you're probably looking at the best part of 40. You'll you, you get your money back on them. I think if you look at Mickey and Ozil, the only way that they get pushed out the door is if that's on a free transfer. And probably with Ozil, certainly, we end up paying some of their wages oh, for yeah. a period of time. So actually, then that's a, it's, it's it's a negative. It's even more yeah. of a negative. Yeah. So I, I don't know how easy it would be to get rid of Ozil. Even I, you, I, think he sh- I think he should go simply because the football we're playing is moving away from his kind of football. I think Emery's made it quite clear that you know, he doesn't fit into his style or what he sees as his yeah. brand of football. So we've got two divergent cultures here. One of them has to go. Yeah. I think Ozil on that point alone has to go. But how we get rid of him, I don't know. Right. Simple game. I'm going to throw some names at you. Bin or no Bin. Mm-hmm. So, Alex Iwobi. Bin. Binny McBinface. Binny McBinface. Henrik Mkhitaryan. Same. Bin Master. <laughs> bin Master. Meza Ertzel. Bin. Dr. Binlove. <laughs> Dr. Binlove. Granite Xhaka. Um, I wouldn't be against it, but you'd have to buy somebody that's equally as good or, or, or upgrade on that. I feel like I'm going to have to say keep, mainly because there are so many other players that we have to bin. We're going to... The can, bin's full. <laughs> you can't, we'll end up with literally nobody. I've just, like I said, I'm sorry to actually go through your list and then... No, I mean, the list is endless. I was going to go Ainsley, Maitland, Niles. Keep. No, keep, that one. keep Kalasinak. Keep. Actually, he can't. He can't play at left at fullback. Yeah, he can play at wingback. We'll but a, you can't it. have specialist players, can you? you can't have specialist if, players if, like who can yeah. just play wingback. Yeah, I you mean, need yeah. versatile players. Tagliafico, his value's going up by the day, but I mean, if we can get it for twenty-five, I'd sell Kalasinak for the same. Monreal. Go. Ben. Mm, Binster. Binster, Binster's pasty. I'm going to stop asking because I think the bin is full, mm-hmm. frankly. I, I mean, I've just looked at it and we said on that on that on the poll we said most people had six to ten. You can reel off Lichtenstein and Mustafi, Jenkinson, Ramsey, Czech, Welbeck, Chambers, and of one or Mickey or Özil, and that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's eight players straight away. So it doesn't seem unfeasonable for it to be that much of a turnover. And normally, when you're talking about first team squads, you normally lose two or three if you're a relatively stable team, maybe one or two, and then you add to it. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it will as well. I so I think we're going to end up being stuck with most of these players. Mm. I think we're going to end up, because we'll lose Lichsteiner, we'll lose Ramsey, we'll lose Czech, I think we'll lose, well. in mm. fact, I'm, more and more I think about it, we might not even lose Welbeck, purely because we don't have the money, to, have have the money to do anything else, yeah. so we have to give him a couple of years contract. Which I think they'll try and offload one of Mkhitaryan and Ozil, but I think they won't be able to do it, so then we're stuck with them. Chambers is the one that I think, alright, we generate some money, but, you know, you've then got a 20 million, 30 million, 40 million quid that you've got do, to buy an upgrade. Do you think that they will El take Nenny, off, another do you, one. Do you think they'll take offers on one of their stuff? Like, I think they might take an offer. A good, if they got a good offer for Xhaka, they'd consider it. I think if they got a good offer for, for yeah. one of the front two, they'd consider it. Yeah. Charlie said last week they got a good offer for Genduzi, they'd consider it. You know, so I think, um, you know, um, if somebody comes in with a good offer and us being in the state that we are in, fiscally, 
then it will be very much considered and it might be too hard to turn down because we've got nowhere else to turn. Yeah. Have you thought beyond Talia Fico, are there any specific names that you'd really like to see? I just want to see a type. I don't really have a name. I don't really go for names. I just have a type of player that I like to see come in, you know, that can fit into the kind of profile that he wants to play, you know. Um, but the protagonistic loads. football, you mean? Yeah, I mean, the people talk about Tierney, people talk about, obviously, Tegafiga, they talk about um, the guys at um, Norwich, Grimaldo, who I don't think is a very good defensive, def- um, left-back, but very offensive. Um, you know, Albert Moreno, who are pr- no, probably... Please, but you no. know what? Because he's a free transfer, he might well be the likeliest one to come in. But look at what happened last time we signed a full-back on a free. Yeah, it worked really yeah. well for us, didn't it? Yeah, well, <sighs> it's going to be his mid-20s or whatever, so I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't be surprised. It is a know. concerning yeah. time to be an Arsenal fan. I've said that so many times this evening. It's mm. concerning on the pitch, concerning off the pitch. We've got to hope for a good transfer window, and as we've established, a lot of that depends on the Champions League. The Champions League depends on the Europa League, and the Europa League depends on Valencia. Coming up, we'll be talking to Nikolai Lisberg, who's a Spanish football expert, to find out how good Arsenal's chances are. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and Giles Aniam and Chris Howard of Gunnerstown. I'm delighted to say we're also joined on the line by Nikolai Lisberg, who's a Spanish football expert. Good evening, Nikolai. Thanks ever so much for joining us. Arsenal's domestic form is woeful. They're now, of course, turning their attentions to the Europa League with hope that they can get beyond Valencia. Should they be feeling confident? Mm, they should be feeling confident because, yeah, Arsenal's domestic form might be wonderful, but you could say the same about uh, Valencia. Um, lost two matches in a row now, and just like Arsenal, really struggling for a top four finish. So I think it's two teams who, who will be an interesting match because it's two teams who need this win, uh, not just to win the Europa League, but to use the Europa League uh, to qualify for, for the Champions League next season. Nicola Heights, Chris here. Um... Am I right in thinking that Kondogbia will be missing for the game on when, on Thursday? Yeah, he's, he's, he's out injured, so most likely it would be a well-known name, Coglan, who will be starting for for Valencia. He played the, the match against uh, Eibar, uh, where they lost um, one this weekend. So, so he's, he's expected to be out. And, and how big a loss is that? I think it's a big loss because he brings something extra to that uh, midfield. Uh, you have to understand that, that Marcelino, the coach, plays like a four-four-two, and the two central midfielders are extremely important to his formation. You have uh, the captain, Dan Parejo, like doing the attacking part of that game and Kondogbia usually being the man in charge of the, the defensive part. He hasn't been... Uh, so brilliant this season but I, I still think it's a, it's a big loss for, for Valencia not having him on the first day Hi uh, Nikolai I'm just looking at the league, the league table you, um, Valencia struggling to get back into the Champions League spot so this is as much a, as big a tie for us for, the, for, for Valencia as it is for Arsenal um, their season how would you sum their season up so far? Oh, it's It's been very chaotic I think is the word I mean they 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 started off like with not being able to win a game. I think they were on 16 draws or something like that for the for the season. And they had a horrible first start to the season. There were rumors about Marcelino being sacked because 
they weren't performing, they were almost in the relegation zone. Then they somehow turned it around during winter time. Uh, they had a great run in the in the Copa del Rey, where they also in the, in the Spanish Cup, where they also in the final. And it, it's like a season that could be very memorable for them. Memorable for them. I mean, they're in the final of the Copa del Rey. They're in the semi-final of the Europa League. They still have a chance of finishing in the top four because the other teams struggling for that place, also losing uh, matches. And have to remember, this is the this is the year, this is their hundred years uh, anniversary year since they were founded. So this could be potentially a massive season for Valencia. But as it often is in Valencia, everything is a little bit chaotic. You never know where you have uh, Valencia. Nikolai, who's the key man for Valencia? Who should Arsenal be most worried about? We hear a lot about Gamero and Rodrigo up top. Gonzalo Guedes, of course, is also a well-known name. But Danny Parejo in the middle of the park gets talked about as the man who pulls the strings. If Arsenal want to get through this tie, who should they be looking to neutralise? Yeah, that's that's exactly my my man I would point to, Danny Parejo, because as you said, they they got great quality, they're attacking players, but the story about Valencia this season is that they haven't delivered their strikers. They haven't scored a lot of goals in, in La Liga and they haven't been uh, such a threat up front uh, as they used to be. Danny Parejo as the captain um is extremely important, like I said, in that in that four four two formation where he, he pulls the string uh on every single move. He's he's brilliant with the ball. Can you close him down? Can you make sure he can provide the deliveries that he can't set the pace for the game? Uh, I think Arsenal has come a massive way to, to get a good result. Hmm, interesting. Um, what are the, uh, Nicola, what are the Spanish press saying about Arsenal? Are they quite confident given how atrocious that we've been of late? <laughs> or are they, are they thinking, well, Valencia are just as bad, so this is going to be a tough one? I'm leaning towards the, the last uh, one. I, well, I read the, the news when it came out that they were supposed to play Arsenal, and they still, the Spanish press still hold Arsenal as, as a better team than Valencia. Is my is my taking from it uh, as one of the favourites for for winning the for winning the league. But what they are focusing on us, of course, is as well the meeting with uh, Emery. I mean, he was in Valencia, and he knows how, how to win the Europa League as we saw with uh, Sevilla several times and so the Spanish press aren't I wouldn't say the local press I wouldn't say they're confident but they are I'm not they're nervous but they're interested in seeing the next few weeks because they got so many uh, important matches ahead and they need to get back to, to winning days after two two defeats in a row in the, in the domestic league Alright uh, how do Valencia play are they counter attacking do they Dominant the ball? Or are they, you know, are they sort of like a more direct team? How do they? How do they play? Uh, it's, it's it's a bit of a mix between everything. I won't. I mean, I won't say that they're particularly good in counter attacking. It's a very well organized team uh, who likes to break down their opponents with with patience. I mean, when playing against bigger teams, we've seen it a couple of times against Barcelona this season. They they tend to do more on counter attack, but I. I expect to see a Valencia team also in London who wants to have the ball, not dominate like we sometimes see Spanish uh, Spanish teams, but who wants to have the ball, who wants to uh, make a lot of passes and then try to build up uh, an attack. But it's it's more than anything a very well organized team who has its 
uh, focus on defense and the central midfield. The central midfield, as I, I think I said already a couple of times now, is, is the cornerstone for this uh, Valencia team. If they can manage to dominate the game, um, they have a chance, I think. Nicolo, what's the atmosphere like at the Mestalla? Because we've seen Arsenal's players struggle away from home psychologically. Are they going to be greeted yeah. in that away leg by a real bowl of noise that's going to get in their heads, or will they be all right? I think I think you can uh, expect a lot of noise. I think you can expect an, an electric uh, atmosphere at the Mestalla. Uh, we've seen some of the games this season. The first game in the Champions League against. Juventus, uh, I was there, and the, the atmosphere was absolutely buzzing. You know, they welcomed the team bus uh, when it came to the stadium. And, and Mestalla, for me, is one of the best football stadiums in Spain, also when it comes to comes to the atmosphere. They need to be up for it. It needs to be a big game. But it doesn't get much more, it doesn't get much bigger than a, than the Europa League semi-final for Valencia. We have to remember, they haven't won a title since 2008, I think it is so. Having the return like Atmos Dyer with the possible chance to get into the Europa League final, I think it will be absolutely possible for, for that match. And Nikolai, the biggest question of all, who do you see winning across two legs, of course? It's a difficult one to predict, but if you had to call it, which way do you think it's going to go? It's a very, for me, it's, it's, it's 50-50. I wouldn't be surprised if you go into to extra time and all the way maybe into boundaries, but I think uh, I'll if I have to put my mind on something, I think Valencia will, will will go through, but I think it's going to be tight and it, it could go either way. But I think Valencia, um, maybe being the more organised uh, team than, than Arsenal, I think that will be their advantage when, when it's like a cup match, uh, it's a knockout game. I think you have to to be sure to get a result. And I, I don't see them um, losing 2-0 like Napoli did in in Emirates a few weeks ago, I, I think they were good to get a result in London, and I think I think they can they can pull it off at, at home. Nicolai, you were so popular in the studio until you backed Valencia, but there are resigned yeah. nods. <laughs> there are resigned nods around me, so you might just be right. Nicolai, lovely to speak to you. Thanks ever so much for your time. Nicolai Lisberg there, who is a Spanish football expert. And Valencia are not the only opponents Arsenal have coming up. There's a small matter of Brighton in the Premier League. Surely it will be three points against Brighton. This the Arsenal Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Giles Aniam and Chris Howard of Gunnerstown. We've been talking Valencia. We've been talking a lot of Valencia because now, of course, the Europa League is what Arsenal's season rides on. They need that Champions League spot and that is how it's going to happen. Easy, perhaps, to forget the Premier League for Arsenal fans. Desirable, possibly, given how the Gunners are playing at the moment. But they have got a fixture coming up at the weekend. It is against Brighton and Hove Albion. And I'm delighted to say that we're joined on the line by Sally Friedman, who's a Brighton fan and, of course, a journalist for football today good evening sally thanks ever so much for joining us the biggest question of all is you're just about clear of that relegation zone brighton currently four points clear with two games to play are you safe i wouldn't say 100 percent. you never know we have to believe that cardiff can still do something i know cardiff have to win both their games but anything is possible in football um but we might know by saturday um after Cardiff have played because they play Crystal Palace. Um, so if Crystal Palace do us a favour, who are ironically our rivals, um, we could go into the <laughs> Arsenal game knowing that we're OK. Or if 
Cardiff do win the game, then we will be playing for safety ourselves. So really depends on that Cardiff result on Saturday. Hi, Sally. It's Chris here. Um, where are your Hello. goals going to come from? Very good question. We scored <laughs> our first after, I think, seven games um, at the weekend against Newcastle. Um, it's it's tough to watch um, Glenn Murray and, and has done well in this, during the season. But, um, yeah, we haven't scored for a long, long time. I think that was the longest in Brighton's history that we'd gone without scoring a goal. And even I think the players and fans forgot what to do when we did finally score against Newcastle. To, to, um, to be so, fair, sorry yeah, sorry to cut over you. To be fair, you, you know, we've got Mustafi, we've got Sobradis, <laughs> we've got an ageing Koscielny. We'll give you a chance or two. You can bet your bottom dollar. I hope so. Well, it'd be nice if we actually played some attacking football. I don't think we've, we haven't had many touches in the attacking half in the last four or five games. We, we defend um, very, very deep, which is scary even when we're the home team. So I hope that we actually do attack because we won't score from our own half. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think it will really depend, as I say, on the score the day before as to how we approach the game. If we know we're safe, the players can go in a bit more freely and definitely attack um, a little bit more than what we've been doing. Um, Hi, so yeah, it's Giles here. So. How has how's Chris Hutton been viewed? I mean, for me, he's going quite a lot with not a lot you know, in recent seasons to get them up into Premier League and keeping their last yeah. season. Um, this season seems to be a really hard slog. What is the the fans, the Seagulls' view of Chris Hewitt? Yeah, good, good question. Now, there are a lot in the last few weeks with all the defensive tactics that he's quite renowned for, calling for him to go um, at the end of the season. And there's the other camp that say, look at what he's achieved with a squad that's, you know, bottom half of the Premier League and, stayed up in our first season and did so well, beat Man U um, last season to, to secure our safety at home. And then, yeah, this season we started well, but it's been a struggle the last second half of the season. And a lot of fans are saying that maybe he's, you know, he's done all he can. But when you look at our squad, um, it, it's pretty hard. You've got to say that oh, some responsibility is on the players, some is on the coach. But I'm kind of 50-50 at the moment as to whether I'm, think he should go at the end of the season I, I think he's a great manager and he's done really well but we it was and definitely at Newcastle our last game for the first 45 minutes that's the worst I've seen us play in the Premier League it was awful but then whatever he said at half time and the changes he made you've got to give him credit because they came out of second half completely different team and maybe got this a vital point that's going to see us safe so yeah there's certainly some fans that think say see ya and there's other fans that are saying no look at what he's achieved he's done really well would you have him stay, Sally? I mean, for my money, I think any Brighton fan who wants to kick him out is mad, aren't they? Um, or you have to see what, what are the alternatives. I mean, who who else could come in with a and you know know that it's it's what Brighton wants. Allardyce, to achieve, I guess. Arsene Wenger. Allardyce, Wenger. Yeah, he's out of a job at the moment. Yeah, some names there, but it's it's again you know a long term strategy. Are we going to you know what's our goal for next season to finish? mid-table or in 10 years do we want to be pushing for you know change the style of, of play that we're playing and in 10 and years you could be battling or... arsenal for sixth just think of that could oh, be exciting so. times so. exciting times <laughs> indeed but yeah I, I i'm as i said i don't have a clear-cut answer on that one i'm, I'm a bit like a politician 50 50 like see if, if he keeps us safe then i'll i'll be edging on that let maybe give him a couple more seasons and, and get some we definitely I mean every team down the bottom of the Premier League will say the same but we need some pace up front we need some midfielders 
Our defence is solid. I'd say that the, the, that's what's kept us where we are, just about. Although we did leak a few, quite a few goals in the last half of the season. But, um, yeah, we definitely need to get some pace in the team. Sally, talking of pace and that need for it up front, what's happened to Jose Izquierdo? Because he got his first start in four and a half months against Wolves the other day. Last season, he looked really bright. He scored some lovely goals. He looked like the standout performer for Brighton. And yet we've just not seen him this year. Well, he was... I didn't even realise he was on the pitch against Newcastle, to be honest. (laughs) He he was. And I think he touched the ball not very often. And people say maybe he's carrying an injury. I don't know why, if he's if he is carrying an injury, why would you play someone that he clearly was completely off his game? Um, and you've got Knockout and March on the bench, the uh, wingers that were hungry and came on and changed the second half. So I don't know the answer, but he hasn't looked right this season at all. And certainly against Newcastle, I didn't even realise he was playing. And, uh, and then when, yeah, so I'm not sure, but hopefully he bounces back from whatever injury he's carrying and has a better season next season. So, yeah, I mean, we gave Christian Benteke his first goal for about 10 years, <laughs> so I'm sure he's going to bang one in the weekend. Sorry, Giles, you had a question. Yeah, um... yeah sometimes they, they have rubbish years and then they, they come out and do something amazing. Knockout did the same against Crystal Palace. So you, you just don't know. Um, one player that kind of catches my eye, you said, sorry, Marsh and Knockout, but I like yeah. Basuma. Do you think, you'll, do you yeah, think he's destined for greater things or...? Yeah, I think he's done really well. He's I like him as well. He's very creative. For me, the one that shone at the weekend was Bernardo. Um, very back. technically. Yeah, and also Bruno. I mean, Bruno's the captain, but... He's, he's about 57, while. isn't he? Yeah, 57. I think he's about 38 or 9. <laughs> well, there we sure, go. But, um, yeah, he, he is so... His experience is incredible in the way he reads the game and obviously talks to the others and, and knows when to give, when to keep the ball. He's just so, yeah, his technical expertise is, is amazing. But Basuma, I agree with you, yeah, a, a good player too. And, and I hope, I, I don't know whether he's one that will go on and shine, shine, but definitely would like to see him stay for a few more seasons. And yeah, he's added, he's been really good this, this season. Well, Sally, it's been lovely speaking to you. Just quickly before we let you get going, I've got to press you for a score prediction. How do you see it going? Well... Arsenal haven't been playing great recently in the Premier League, as you said. I think they've lost their last couple. So I'm going to go for a draw. I think Brighton will actually score another goal, but just one. So I'm going to say 1-1. OK, you're confident and it's been absolutely lovely speaking to you. Thanks ever so much for your time. Sally Friedman there, who's a Brighton fan and journalist for Football Today. Feeling confident and to be fair, who wouldn't be? taking on Arsenal in the Premier League in the form they're in. There's outrage in the studio around me. There's gesticulation <laughs> from Giles Anyam because we've just seen that second yellow Maitland-Niles on the screen again and you're having none of it. I am having no. none of it at all. That was, that was play-acting, simulation. It should get done. Yeah, it won't happen. It won't happen. Cause and then you've got morons like Dermot Gallagher coming on and saying, oh, it, I mean, the amount of times where I've seen him, so I'm sure it was last season, you know, when Lacazette against Stoke, mm. and he had like, his his toe was yeah. offside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, definitely an offside. And all of a sudden you see these marginal calls, like the Harry Kane one, mm. this, and, and people trying to say, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely Harry Kane was onside because he wasn't. 100% not borderline. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, back to Brighton. Back to Brighton. Are you feeling confident? I hope the fact the, club, the the players are because we need to just get three points, just get just to get a win. Brighton yeah. are not a good side. Like not. I, s- at the we played them at the Amex, and 
they weren't very good. We were just Arsenal away. And last season, mm-hmm. they beat us, but we weren't very good. Mm. We were just Arsenal away. Mm. There are a team and to me who feel a bit like the only reason they're going to stay up is because there are three teams worse. worse. Than yeah. Them. Yeah. It's not that there's any real merit there for no. Brighton. No, no, I agree. Yeah, I think we should be able to raise our confidence levels on, on Sunday. Assuming they're not at rock bottom because we've lost 2-1 well, to they will be or something. Well, yes. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be picked up midweek. With that in mind... Are you confident for that? The Napoli performances surprised me, for one. Do you think we'll see a Europa League form continue distinct from Premier League form? Yeah, I do. You're confident, fully confident of a win? Yeah, maybe the Napoli result kind of and performance has given me a false sense of hope, but um, or false sense of security. But yeah, I think um, the players will be focused. It'll be zeroed in on this. This is their this is their chance. You know, blow this and that's it. You know, pretty much. So um, yeah. I think there'll be. A... But that was the case against Leicester. It's like, you know, you've got to pick something up here, otherwise this is it. And but they I still think, blew it. I think there's Johnny said earlier. There's a separation. There seems to be a mm. separation between league and Europa League, and maybe they just think maybe Europa League's just it's because it's, it's, it's different. You know, it's it, it's it's not the it's not the. It's not the the pressure. It's a different kind of pressure to what the the Premier League is. You know, they've had some good results, and you know, Emery's. In, maybe they take confidence from Emery being so assured of himself in this competition that you know they just play differently. And I, and I feel that maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel kind of confident that we're going to get through this time. I said this during the break when we were just chatting off air. Um, I think that this tie is essentially going to be determined in at the Emirates based on if Valencia score. If they don't score, I feel very, very confident that we can get something. Because even if it finishes nil-nil, I'd still fancy us to go away from home and score against them Mm. um, and do similar to what we did against uh, Napoli. If we win one-nil, fine. If we win two-nil, brilliant. Three-nil plus, absolutely amazing. But for me, it's it's not letting them have the away goal. If they score, Mm. even if it's 3-1, you know, they only have to get one goal and the fragility away from uh, when they're at home at the Mustaya, the fragility of this of, of this the mental lack of mental strength of this Arsenal team, the psychological um, smashings that we've had, I would fear for us if 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 it's two one, if it's if it's three one, four one, bit different. But I think three one. I'd be happy with three one to be honest with you, because again, I feel we can score over there. They'd have to, if we go over there with a two goal lead, three one say, they have to come out. They have to come out and play us. And um, if we're, we're compact and we're professional, do our jobs, I'm sure we can get a goal over there. Compact and professional, you mean like not like we've been in the last three games? <laughs> like when we went over to San Paolo. <laughs> yeah, we need we need yeah. to replicate that yeah. Napoli performance. That's yeah. absolutely true. And in terms of how to approach that Brighton game, just quickly, what are you doing there? Are you going all guns blazing or are you a yeah. bit nervous that you have got undone recently? I don't think Arsenal will lose that. I think no. that'll be relatively comfortable. Well, whoever it's two home plays. games, isn't it? It's, it's Valencia at home and then Brighton at home. We don't have to rest anybody. Yeah, Go out and play them. Play them off the park. It's all about confidence. Yeah. It's all about ignoring the losses. That, of course, was what Emery said before Leicester. Let's hope he's still saying it after Leicester. But it's that time in the show where I have to ask you guys for your score predictions. We've got two coming up. It's Valencia and then Brighton. What are you saying? Mm. <laughs> Shall I go first? Yeah, you go first. Uh, I think it's going to be 2-1 Arsenal mm. against Valencia. I think we'll beat Brighton 2-0, 3-0, 2-0, I'd say that. I think Brighton will be a, a lot more comfortable, but Valencia is the one that scares me. 
Vinicius, you say you've got Gamero in their, in their yeah. ranks now. Who's not doing that well, but Gamero and Rodrigo started up front in a 4-4-2, last one out. Yeah, I'd say 3-1 Arsenal, and then against Brighton, yeah, 2-0. And your score for Valencia, Chris? 2-1. 2-1. So we're confident. We spent the entire show saying <laughs> the whole of Arsenal's squad are not fit to play football. Get in the bin. And yet we're predicting two wins from the next two. That's football, isn't it? That's football. That's football, That's football fans. <laughs> Hopefully Champions League football for Arsenal, a improved transfer budget for Emery, an improved squad for us, improved radio shows for you probably. And nobody, nobody getting in the bin. Join us next week on the Arsenal Fan Show. is love sport thanks for downloading this podcast from love sport radio for more go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts news and views or for more follow us at love sport radio on twitter